Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 210. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Sam Whipple. Thanks so much, Kip. Glad to be back. Well, I'm excited to have you back for a conversation that, based on the title of this episode, may seem political, but I would argue is actually more philosophical. And this topic was inspired by an op-ed in the New York Times, published on May 2nd, 2018, by Paul Krugman, entitled, Politicians Don't Need New Ideas. And this relatively short read details Krugman's belief that we don't need new political ideas or policies in this country, and in fact that there are a lot of ideas and policies that haven't been fully explored or debated And this article opens with the common complaint that he often hears as people gear up for the 2020 presidential election that many candidates or potential candidates don't appeal to the populace because, quote, they don't bring anything new to the table. Now, there's a lot in this article that I find really stimulating, and essentially, in my perspective, it's rooted in the question of how we find new ideas and who we as a society expect to implement them. And for me, that's a fundamental and timeless question, because I don't think it necessarily has to fall to politicians. And there's a quotation I really love in the middle of the article that says, quote, I'm not saying that politicians shouldn't be open to new thinking and evidence about policy, but a political party isn't like Apple, which needs to keep coming up with glitzier products to stay ahead of Android. There are huge problems with U.S. policy on many fronts. But very few of these problems come from a lack of good, new ideas. They come instead from failure to act on what we already know and, for the most part, have known for a long time. And I'm glad that Krugman references the market economy in which we live because I think it has exacerbated our need culturally for instant gratification. And to me, it's not a very big leap to jump from our need for instant gratification and our hunger for new ideas. Perhaps we as a people, be it globally or specifically in a Western or American context, aren't comfortable sitting with old ideas or processing them or debating their merit. And it's simply easier or more comfortable or more exciting to look at what is new and try to replace what is old rather than repair or re-examine what we already think and operate on on philosophical and indeed political levels. Thanks, Kip. And I'm glad you've pointed out that particular quote of the article, because I do think it identifies a couple of the threads that Krugman is pulling on with this piece. What Krugman, I think, is really identifying here is the unfortunate tendency for us to expect something brand new from every new iteration of the electoral cycle in U.S. politics. So in particular, I think that means that whereas in one election, an issue can come up that sustains the course of that election and drives the conversation between two candidates, it's very easy for us to either forget that issue come the next four years or for us to expect that there will be something brand new in the realm of that policy idea by the time the next election rolls around. Politicians in the modern context are not necessarily philosophers, or rather they don't have to formulate their ideas in the same way. I think what Krugman is identifying is that in many cases, we have a lot of data we can pull from to assess whether or not a particular policy has been effective or ineffective, 
Whether we like it or not, we have the facts to back a lot of this up. Differences in political opinion, I think, come from what the role of government should be in addressing many of these problems, but not necessarily in whether or not we understand that they're problems in the first place. And so just because we know that one thing is a problem or isn't doesn't necessarily mean that we can't try some of the ways we already know to address it and some of the other ways that other countries have taken about addressing it themselves. These aren't abstract problems. They're in many cases very real and ones that require a lot of time and study for us to be able to understand fully. So I think one of the problems with one of the arguments that Krugman makes, in fact, is that in many cases it takes time for us to understand the full impacts of a policy program or of a particular idea in a political context. Whereas in the case of smaller problems, it may be very easy to understand a cause and effect relationship in an immediate sense, rather than politics, which takes a long time to unfold and to see the true cause and effect of a chosen program. I think what frustrates Krugman the most is that the outcome of that cycle that comes with expecting a new idea for every election or every new politician that enters the fray is that we lose track of some of the old ideas that were brought up in past campaigns. It's very easy to become obsessed with the personality rather than the politics or the ideas that get brought up from candidate to candidate. And in so many cases, the myopic concern with the electoral cycle can in many ways make us forget that those programs that take time to truly come to fruition can also change with changes in leadership. And so these different time cycles, the sort of short-term political electoral cycle compared to the long time cycle of a particular policy program are in many ways in conflict with one another. And it makes it hard for us to assess the value of a particular politician against the value of the ideas that they are getting involved in, which in many cases have been around for a long time already. But I think there is a problem with the argument that Krugman makes here, and I think he betrays his point in one of the arguments he makes about environmental policy. So in the article, he uses two particular examples of areas where we already have many well-established ideas about how to solve some fundamental problems in each system, and those two problems are healthcare and the environment. When he turns to the environmental problem, he says, what about protecting the environment? I guess you can make the case that there were important new ideas in the 1980s. Until then, environmental policy consisted almost entirely of top-down regulation. He goes on to talk about how significantly that regime of environmental policy choices changed during that period, and you can make arguments about whether or not those changes were effective. But I think the point that Krugman ultimately betrays there is the fundamental fact that we don't know the consequence of a new idea until it pops up in our faces. I think his mention of Apple as an example is particularly interesting because certainly no one would have told you that we needed a new communication device until the iPhone revolutionized the way that we interact and communicate with one another. We simply don't know the true consequence and value of new ideas until they come along simply because they are so new. So I think what Krugman in some ways has to acknowledge here is that the real value of a new idea is not just its novelty, but its potential to change the way that we see those old ideas. So I understand his frustration that particularly in government and when it comes to many important national issues, there are many old ideas that we can draw on to find established ways of addressing problems that we already know exist. But there's so much potential to find an idea that completely reshapes our understanding of how those problems are affecting our society. 
and because in many ways we may not simply understand the scope or scale of the problem in the first place. When I think about time as a key variable when it comes to ideas, I'm humbled by the thought that we as people are mortals living in a longer-lasting, dare I say, immortal world. And whether that refers to human society or the nature and environment in which we find ourselves, we are relatively short-lived creatures. And indeed, in political spheres, one's time in office or political career in general might also be short-lived. And I'm not encouraging a long-lasting or lifetime dictatorship, but for the sake of seeing how ideas play out and what their actual scale and scope, as you said, Sam, is, I do think time is an important variable. I think it could be argued, and I would welcome any thoughts from our insightful audience, that the American political system may be perpetually gridlocked because we have this cycle of power often between the Democratic and Republican parties in our country, where work may be done over four or eight years, but is often undone, attacked, or reversed in some way by the subsequent party in power. And I don't have a clear answer for that, but on a philosophical level, it would seem that we don't allow ideas to fully play out. And I'm not saying that's for better or for worse, but simply the reality that I perceive, and I think Krugman finds particularly frustrating. I definitely think that's true. And whether we like it or not, one thing worth acknowledging in this current political climate is that the Trump administration is undertaking a deliberate effort to roll back many programs that were put in place during the Obama administration. Now, some people claim legitimate grievances with many of those programs for the decision to roll them back in the first place. And there are policy arguments about many of them that we don't necessarily have to get into here. But in some ways, this particular administration is deviating from a norm, whereas in past years, changes from administration to administration, at least when it comes to American presidents, have been more directional rather than simply a wholesale undoing of the previous program. I think what's unique and to me unfortunate about this current administration is in relation to something that Krugman says, which is that in America, even more than in other countries, we have a huge backlog of good old ideas that we've never acted on. So to me, it's unfortunate that rather than trying out some of those ideas, in many cases, this president is more interested in simply undoing ideas that we've tried in the past administration. That's a particular grievance for me, I think, in part because the progress of government and the implementation of public policy comes from trying new things. And again, like Krugman says, those ideas don't always have to be new. But the unfortunate reality of a very partisan and fractional climate, at least in American politics, is that when the relationships become transactional and competitive between opposing political parties, you lose that interest in trying new things. And even in the case of the Obama administration, the implementation of the Affordable Care Act was not a new idea, but a sort of weaving together of many past old ideas, in some cases Republican ideas. Many people would tell you that the genesis of Obamacare itself was a program that Mitt Romney implemented in Massachusetts when he was the governor of that state. But finding ways to put together those ideas is really only possible in a climate where two opposing parties are willing to work together to try a new program. And unfortunately, we've lost a lot of that in this current climate. 
So I think that in some ways, as I look ahead to future elections and even the 2020 presidential election in America, I think Krugman's advice is right here, that we don't necessarily need a brand new idea, but rather a repositioning or a reevaluation of a good old one. I think in many cases, at least on the Democratic side, some of those ideas that are already coming up include a universal basic income, changes to the way that we view healthcare in particular in terms of it being viewed as a human right, as many other countries in parts of Eastern Europe do. And I'm reminded of a quote that's often attributed to Victor Hugo, which is that there is nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. I think the important thing about that quote is that it doesn't mean a new idea. It just means an idea whose moment in our popular culture has finally arrived. And I think that there's a lot of potential for ideas, particularly in issues like economic inequality or education, for some of those old ideas that have been around for a long time to finally have their time in the spotlight. And to that quotation, and Krugman's title of the article, Politicians Don't Need New Ideas, I would encourage the audience to look around the space you're currently occupying, whether you're driving, or running, sitting, or walking. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're surrounded by ideas in action, because that's what our world is. If you're in a bedroom, the bed was designed by someone who had an idea of what a comfortable and effective bed would be. There might be a lamp nearby that was designed by an engineer who best wanted to capture and emit light through an object. These are all ideas in action, and while politicians may have and enact ideas that dictate how our society is run, on the cellular level, our lives are absolutely based in, and daily depict, ideas themselves. We are, if you think genetically, ideas that have been transmitted across millennia and edited at times. Depending on your perspective, human beings are incredibly old ideas living through the present and future. And when it comes to who comes up with or shares ideas in our society, for me, Krugman's title gets at the fact that we should be listening to a lot of folks. For one example, I would point to teachers who are responsible for very important work and often do incredible things with very little acknowledgement, credit, or frankly, financial compensation. And while I would absolutely point to the recent teachers' strikes in America as indications that their voices weren't being heard, more than that, you could also look at those circumstances and say, these are some people with lots of very passionate ideas, and their ideas aren't being recognized. And to me, that's a problem in our discourse, when we don't hear what other people are saying, but more importantly, when we can't sense or appreciate what other people are thinking, the predecessors to their words, and the origin to their actions, ideas themselves. That point is really important because I believe if we were to take a moment to consider the role that we really want politicians in particular to play, is it really the people who come up with every single new idea or as representatives, at least in this system, do we want them to be the people who are best at gathering the best thinking from other people to deploy in a way that they think is most judicious or prudent? I suppose that would be a question I would ask of our audience. In your representatives, in government, in any other aspect of your life that you might have someone who acts on your own interest, do you want someone who knows everything to some extent or someone who can gather the best thinking from other places? Or rather, is it more important that that person simply have leadership qualities, quote unquote, in whatever respect you think they're most important? 
without necessarily having those traits? Is some of that kind of strength of leadership more important than ideas? And, you know, additionally, I would ask the audience, is there a particular area of American politics or policy you think is most in need of a fresh idea? And what might it be? And in this tone of questions, I would ask the audience, are there representatives, historical or present, that you feel have most listened to ideas you or your fellow citizens have? Additionally, are there politicians or other leaders that you've noted are particularly good at coming up with or phrasing new or compelling ideas? And lastly, as it's particularly fascinating to me, where do you go or think one should go in our society or world to find new ideas, which I suppose also implicitly asks, is it possible for a truly new idea to even exist? And Sam, whether we've been rehashing conversations held for millennia or coming up with our own new phrasings, I do appreciate you spending the time and sharing your ideas today. It certainly feels fresh to me. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Well, I appreciate your interest in doing so. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we're certainly not the only people with ideas out there, so we'd love to hear what some of yours are. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.